start off, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chrissy. Um, I'm 25 years old. I'm a second grade teacher. I genuinely love what I do. It's definitely my calling. Um, my husband, Tim, over there, um, we've been married for about six years now, together for over 10. Um, and today, um, first, I want to thank him because without him, I wouldn't be up here sharing. Um, what I'm going to be talking about today is very personal, not just to me, but for him too. So um, today I'm going to be sharing about my struggle with infertility. Um, to start, I'm going to go back to when I was in high school. Um, and yes, I will be talking about menstrual cycles. Bear with me. It'll be okay. Um, most women, on average, start their cases like, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> right. Um, on average, women start their menstrual cycles at like around age 12. Um, I was not that way. I didn't start until I was almost six or 17 years old. So I was, needless to say, I was a late start. Um, I was very athletic as a child, and I know that that can play into it. So that's kind of what we figured it was. I was just athletic as a kid, start late. It's kind of normal for people who do those kinds of things as a child. So um, we just kind of pinned it on that. But not only was I a late start, but after I started, I was very irregular. So I would skip months. Um, I would have one. It would start at the beginning of the month, one month, and then not until the end of the month, the next month. Um, then I would skip a month altogether. I think the longest I've gone is about three months without having a period. And um, that is a little less common. Um, there are a lot of people with irregular periods. And I've been that way since I was probably, since I started, 17 years old. Um, so when Tim and I decided that we were going to try to start for a family, um, start trying for a family, which was only, it was about two years ago. We knew that we wanted kids, but we wanted to wait. So we waited about four years. Um, and then we decided, now's the time. Let's go and start trying. So I already knew it would take me time because I knew that I wasn't ovulating every month, which is an important piece to having a baby, everyone. Um, <laughs> ovulation is where the eggs drop. So that has to happen in order for the baby to be fertilized, or the egg to be fertilized and start growing. So I knew that it would take me time, because I knew I wasn't ovulating every month. I knew that um, it would probably take anywhere between five to six months, is what I was thinking. Not true. It's been two years. So um, I didn't realize how long it was going to take and how much of a struggle it was going to be. So I kind of want to just talk about the timeline over the past two years and the important events, and then we'll get into some other stuff later. So the first three or four months were not very difficult. Like I said, I knew it was going to take time. I wasn't too worried about it. Um, about four months in, I decided I was going to order some ovulation tests. So I figured, I don't know when it's going to happen, so maybe this will help me pinpoint, and it'll make it a little easier. My sister-in-law had also used them when they were trying for their second kid, and um, it seemed to help her. So I was like, I'll just use the same ones, and hopefully it'll help out a little bit. Um, I ordered a kit of 60 tests, um, so it was about two months' worth, and every test was a negative result, which was very discouraging. Um, and I didn't understand that because over those two months, I was still having a period. And at that time, I thought, well, in order to have a period, you must ovulate. 
Not true. I'll go into that later. Um, so I was thinking maybe the tests were cheap, so they're not working. But it was, needless to say, very stressful. And that's also not good to put on yourself when you're trying to have a kid. So I stopped taking those tests. I felt like that was the healthiest decision for me. So after two months, I stopped. And the next three to four months were just a lot of pregnancy tests, just because maybe it's possible this time. Um, anytime something different would happen with my body, I would think that could be a symptom. Not healthy either, guys, just in case you're wondering. Um, I thought, well, this could be pregnancy, right? And I would do what I call symptom hunting, where I would feel differently, and I would look online to see if that could be a symptom. And I would be like, oh, that is a symptom. And if I'd ever have two or more for more than a week, I would think, maybe I'm pregnant. So I would take a test, and it would be negative time and time again. And that was also difficult. That's the last thing someone who's trying to get pregnant wants to see is a negative test result. Um, and so this is kind of when it started to get a little bit more difficult. In March of last year, um, 2017, this was about nine months into trying, um, I took a test. I just felt maybe this time I'd, I'd been feeling a little bit different for about a week, and I got a positive result, which was like, okay, don't get too excited because false positives, although rare, are possible. So... I decided, I, I even brought Tim into the bathroom. I said, look at this. Am I seeing something different? Are there really two lines there? Like, do you see this line? And he saw the line. And I even sent this picture to my sister-in-law. I said, am I crazy? Do you see this line? Is this a positive? Do you see a positive? And she was like, yes, but don't get your hopes up. False positives happen. I was like, okay. But Tim and I decided, let's go get a couple more just to make sure. So we went to the store. We got some more pregnancy tests. I waited until morning because, in case you didn't know, morning is the best time to take a pregnancy test. Um, so I waited until morning. I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and I had started my period. Needless to say, I was heartbroken. Um, false positives are not fun to deal with. And so I remember telling my husband that I went back into bed and I just cried. And I remember my husband, I told him that night we came to church and I said, my heart just broke a little. Like, I, I tried not to get my hopes up, but it's hard not to. Um, so my heart just, just a piece broke off. I was, I was a little upset. And I would say this is where the turning point happened in my mind. I, before this, I was positive. I was like, I knew it was going to take time. It's okay. We're, we're still going to go for this. And this is where I think everything went a little dark for me. And I started to sink into this depression and I would start asking myself, like, what's wrong with me? Why can't my body function the way it's supposed to? Why can't? Why isn't this working for me? Because I want a baby so bad. I want to be a mom. That's what I've wanted for the longest time. And it wasn't happening for me. And I would tell myself these things, like, something's wrong with you. Why can't it just work? Because I knew it was me. I knew it, thank you. <laughs> I knew that, I just, in my heart, I knew it was a problem with me. It wasn't Tim. It was me. And so I blamed myself for a long time. I questioned God. I was like, why? I've asked for this. Why isn't this happening for me? Why can't this happen for us? 
And then I would feel bad because I know that this man's going to be an amazing father. And I felt like I was taking away from him and not giving him what he deserves. And so I went into this like self-hatred of my physical body. I just hated the way it functioned and how it wasn't working correctly. And I, I, I just hated myself for it. And I struggled with that internally. Because you guys, on the outside, I'm a pretty positive person. I try to stay that way. But internally and silently, I struggled for that with, for over a year. And I would go through these cycles of when my period would start, I would get really sad for probably pretty much the whole length of my period, which is about six to seven days. I would, I would get really sad. And um, once my period ended, I'd get hopeful again. Like, okay, here's another shot. Let's try this again. We can do this. And then as soon as, even though I didn't know when my period was going to be, I knew, okay, it's been about a month. Here in the next couple of weeks, I'll start my period again. But maybe this time is different. I stopped taking pregnancy tests because I, I kept telling myself, not unless you're 99% sure, because otherwise it was too difficult for me. Um, and I would, I just went through this about it, about a year of just going through the cycle of sadness and then hopeful and then anxious and then sadness and then hopeful and then anxious. And it followed along with the same pattern of my body. Um, I remember last October was, um, a part that really sticks out to me. I had skipped the month of October and for most Women, that's a sign. Like, you miss your period, you're probably pregnant. Um, and that made it even harder for me to determine if I were pregnant or not because I miss my period all the time. It happens to me frequently. But I missed October, and I remember talking to Tim's mom about it. I said, I didn't even have a period in October. And she's amazing. She's the most amazing mother-in-law I could ask for. Um, and so she's getting excited, and she goes, let me know if you start. Like, And so a couple of weeks went by, and I still hadn't started my period. And so I was starting to get very hopeful again. I didn't take a test, but I was beginning to get very hopeful. I visited, we visited in Chanute, and I remember she asked, did you start yet? No. And this becomes difficult, too, because now you have family who's excited for you to have a kid. And now I feel like I'm letting them down because I'm not, even though they have a multitude of grandchildren, I know that they want this for us. So I, I now feel like now I'm letting them down and now I'm not giving them what they want. And so she was asking, did you start yet? And I was like, no, not yet. And then the next day I started my period. And um, again, heartbroken. Um, Tim held me while I cried. I went upstairs. His mom held me while I cried. She cried, which I couldn't ask. I Sometimes you just need someone to cry with. And so that is definitely what I needed in that moment. Um, and that's just kind of one of the harder parts of this journey, um, one of the parts that stick in my head a lot because I had the support that I had, um, which I've had a lot of support from a lot of great women here even. And... Um, I know I've only talked to a few people about this. I haven't shared this with very many people. And so it's not easy to share. It's not easy to talk about. Um, 
But a few more months had gone by. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to March of this year. Um, I was here at church. Tim was out of town, and I had started my period that morning, and it was a rough morning. I was a hot mess. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Um, My husband wasn't there, which made this even harder because he's the one that kind of keeps me level-headed and grounded, and I was just a hot mess. And I remember specifically the sermon that Jason preached that day, and it was about having joy in your trials, which was not something I took easily that day. Um, And I just remember sitting there, and I was like, but how long is this supposed to last? I don't want this anymore. I want it to go away. And um, I remember feeling just so dark that day. I was, I didn't want to be around anybody. I left as soon as church got over. I was out. And I just went home and probably watched a good chick flick and cried a little. And, um, and I felt a little bit better. But a couple weeks later was when Jason talked about hierarchy in the church and how people look at the pedestal as something to attain to. Like, if I'm there, then I've made it. But then he talked about how his stance on that was different. He wants anybody who feels led to share when they feel led to share. And I think that's the day. It was March 4th, which coincidentally just happened to be exactly a year after my false positive, like to the day, a year after my false positive had happened, um, when I felt called to share. And I remember sitting in the pew, and I was like, okay, okay, but when I'm pregnant, I'll share. And that's what I thought. Like, when I'm pregnant, I'll share my story, because then I'll have a happy ending, right? I'll be able to say, look, here's what I've been through, but guess what? Now I'm pregnant, and I'm not pregnant. So obviously God had different plans for me because I'm up here and I'm not pregnant because that's not how God wanted it. He wanted me up here without that happy ending, um, but not necessarily to say that there isn't a happy ending in store for me. So, and that's where I started to begin to think, I think after I had that calling, literally the same week, my good friend Jill messaged me about um, something they had gone over in their women's Bible study. And she messaged me a verse. Tim, will you hand me my phone? I'm sorry. I have to look at it. And I remember she had um, sent me this verse. And it's in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. And it says, Praise be to God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Sorry. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So, and she had said something into the context of it, like, you're going through this for a reason. Like, so that you can help others who are going through this. And that was confirmation for me to share. I was like, okay, obviously. I didn't tell her that at the time because I knew Jill being the person she is would have been like, okay, you got to get up there, share. You got to do it. Like God's told you to do it. Get up there and do it. And so I didn't say that because at the time I was still in the mind of, but when I'm pregnant, I'll do it. 
And it wasn't until about three or four weeks later when I finally let go of that and said, whether I'm pregnant or not, I'm sharing in three months. And so I'm up here sharing with you guys um, my story. And it's, I'm not just wanting to share because God has been amazing through all of this. He's put me through this so that I can help somebody else. I see that now. And I feel like I can find joy in that now because I see the purpose in it. Um, not to say that it's still been easy. It's, it's still been hard. I still had hard days um, of just crying and upsetness and sadness. But I can see the joy in it now, and that helps a lot. Um, and I'm not just here to share with you my story, but I kind of want to educate and bring awareness to this subject that is not frequently talked about. Fertility issues are not something that's talked about. Um, I know I don't talk about it because it puts me in a very vulnerable, vulnerable position. I don't like being in vulnerable positions because then I cry in front of people and then I feel embarrassed and then I don't want to talk about it anymore. So I don't like putting myself out there and sharing personal information. Um, and I would assume that a lot of women are the same. They don't want to talk about their problems because it's hard to talk about. It's not easy. And so that's what I want to say first, is that if you are struggling with infertility, talk about it. Talk about it. I know that for many years, I've heard the same question, when are you going to have kids? Or do you guys want kids? Or are you thinking about having kids? And in my mind, I'm like, well, if you only knew, why can't they know? Because I would always give that generic, oh, yeah, eventually, or we're trying, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I think for the first time, like three weeks ago, I answered honestly and said, actually, we're struggling with that. And we've been trying for about two years. And I can't tell you the relief that I felt when I was able to just give an honest answer and not try to work around it and hide it anymore. And so one thing I've learned with sharing about my infertility, which, by the way, I didn't look at myself as infertile until maybe a month ago. I didn't call myself infertile. I never thought of it that way. But now, I struggle with infertility. Just putting that out there. Um, so I think that for when you talk about it, what I've realized is that you realize you're not alone. There are other women who struggle with this. Um, about two months ago, I shared something on Facebook, and I didn't boldly come out and say, hey, I struggle with this. I just shared something, and it was a blanket coding of a lot of different things that have to do with kids and pregnancy, and some of it was about infertility, and some of it was about having too many kids and that kind of thing. And it was just very, yes. And it was, it was a, just a blanket statement. I didn't really, I didn't come out and say, hey, look, I struggle with this one. Um, but I had a friend who messaged me and said, hey, you're not alone in this. Whenever you want to talk, let's get together and talk. And it was somebody I never would have thought struggled with the same thing as me. And so we got together and we talked about it. And it felt so good to talk to somebody who understood what I was going through, who I could relate to on a different level, um, who I could say, you know, this is what bothers me. Oh, yeah, that bothers me, too. Like, it was, it was nice to have that. Um, another thing is, 
is when people don't know you struggle with something, they can't, they don't know how to help you. Um, if, if you didn't know that I was struggling with infertility, you would have no way how to help me get through it or walk through it. Um, so I want to talk about some phrases that are said to women who struggle with infertility that are kind of like a trigger. Um, you, and you never know what's going to hit you the wrong way until you hear it. Um, things like, your kids are going to be so beautiful. You wouldn't, that's a very positive statement. But when you say it to me, it just, it's another reminder that I don't have kids yet. Um, or, you guys are going to be such great parents. That's another one where that's so positive, and I do believe we're going to be great parents. But again, it's just another reminder that I don't have kids yet. Um, another thing that I struggle with is when I see other people get pregnant, or when I, and I see all of them on Facebook. I notice even friends I haven't seen in years, I notice it. Um, and I kind of want to talk about when Jill found out she was pregnant, and I love Jill, and she's an amazing woman friend, mother, human being. She's all right, yeah. Um, when I found out she was pregnant, I remember we met for lunch shortly after I found out, and we talked about it, and I was very honest with her, and she was amazing. She was one of those friends that, I don't, she just handled it really well. And I was very honest with her. I said, I want to let you know that I am so happy for you. And I think it's important to know that as somebody who struggles with this, you can be happy for somebody, but still be sad for you. And I told her that. I said, I'm so happy for you. I'm excited for you. You guys are going to be fantastic. I can't wait to meet your little baby. Like, seriously, I'm so happy for you. But I'm sad for me. And I have to get through that. And I have to work through that. And I'll be okay. Um, and I've had to deal with, so far, only really two people really close to me, who I've had to really deal with that. Um, but it's still not easy at the same time. Um, but Jill was amazing, and she's been amazing, and I love you so much. Um, but so some other phrases or triggers that kind of cause me to get sad, I guess. It's, it's a sadness thing than any, more than anything. Um, Things like, well, you can always adopt. And truth, adoption is amazing. And I think it could be an option. I don't want to hear that right now because I'm still working through other options. Like, I'm still taking steps to make it happen for me. Um, so when, and I've heard it before, you can always adopt. And I'm just like, well, yeah, but <laughs> that's not really an option in my mind right now. And I don't want it to be an option in my mind right now. Um, another one would be, and I have been told this multiple times, trust me, you don't want kids. That is not a good thing to say to somebody who's been working and struggling through infertility for two years to tell them you don't want kids because trust me, that's all I've wanted for a very long time. Um, things like just relax. And here's the, that is such a positive statement. And I read it in an article once that I shared not too long ago. I think it was on Mother's Day, which is a very difficult day for me. Um, but I shared this on Mother's Day, and it was a letter to women who struggle with infertility. And she mentioned just relax 
or just stop stressing. And she said, when you say that, it seems like I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not working, like there's something more I could be doing to make this happen for myself. And um, it also, she also said that she went to a fertility doctor once that said, nobody has ever told anybody who struggles with arthritis to just relax and the pain will go away. So it's one of those things like infertility is not something I can necessarily control, unfortunately. So um, things like some other phrases, um, one that I, I read in an article, but I have also um, experienced this as well, is not to minimize the subject or make it seem like what I'm going through is less than what it actually is. Um, like if I were to tell somebody, you know, I've been struggling for a while, and they were to say, well, enjoy your freedom while you can. That's not making anything better. Um, what I'm going through is difficult, and I can't wait for the day where I don't have my freedom anymore. Like I want to come home to a kid. I want my nights to be taken up by that. Like I can't wait for that. So don't tell a woman who's struggling with that. Just, just enjoy your freedom while you can. Um, it's not something that we want to hear. So um, I guess th those are just a few of the things that have been said to me that um, haven't necessarily been very helpful. But I also did want to share some things that you could do to help somebody who is struggling with infertility. Sometimes we just need to talk about it, and we don't need anyone to say anything back. We just need to talk about it, get it out, vent about it. We need a listening ear, and then just hug them, cry with them, watch chick flicks with them, eat ice cream with them. Like, just do those comforting things that don't necessarily require you to have to try to say anything to comfort. Um, because even though the intentions are of the best of intentions, it doesn't always, it's not always received that way. Um, some other things is to pray for them. And I've had some amazing women praying for me, and I can't thank them enough. And I know I've had some other amazing men who have been praying for me as well. So um, thank you for that. Um, just be there for them when they need you. Um, educate yourself on infertility. Infertility is defined as um, not being able to conceive or get pregnant for over a year of unprotect unprotected sex. So if you've been trying for over a year and you are not getting pregnant, that is considered infertility. Um, and it differs with women over 30. It's six months instead. So if you've been trying for six months, then that's what's considered infertility. 12% um, of women struggle getting pregnant or staying pregnant. That's about 7.4 million women in the United States struggle with that. Um, and it's not just a woman thing. 9% of men struggle with it too. Um, I read in an article that about 10% no, 30% it's the woman's problem. 30% is unknown. They have no clue whose it is. And about 30% is a problem with the man. Um, so it's something that happens commonly. It's a common issue. It's just not talked about. Not a whole lot of people know about it. Um, so I would say talk about it. Um, especially if you're dealing with it. Like I said, people don't know how to help you if they don't know that you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Um, 
So that is why I'm here sharing with you guys today um, to kind of let you guys know that this is something I struggle with. It's not just me. There are a lot of people that struggle with this issue. Um, And I kind of, this probably went a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be, but I also talked a lot faster. Um, I kind of wanted to end by talking about the most recent steps that Tim and I have taken. About three and a half weeks ago, we did go to a doctor, um, and he did tell us, which is good news, I feel like, that we came in with one of the easiest cases, and that fact is that I'm not ovulating, um, which takes me back to when I was taking those ovulation tests, and I was so confused um, that I was having my period but not getting a positive result. You can, ov- or you can have a period without having ovulated. It's called an anovulatory cycle where you don't ovulate, but you still have your period. So obviously, I have not been ovulating this whole time. So basically, just get me ovulating, and he doesn't think it's going to take but two to four months before it happens. Now, I do want to say I have to stay partially realistic that it might not be that easy, that he was very confident, and that made us very confident and hopeful, and we're hoping that it's that easy, but it might not be. So even though it seems like our journey is going in the right direction, which it is, whether or not it's that easy, or I've taken the first step, which is going to a doctor, which I've been so scared to do because I was afraid they were going to tell me something I didn't want to hear, and it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Fear is a liar, you guys, in case you were. So um, it, was, it was definitely not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Um, he even told me there's no reason for you to be scared. I really think this is going to be an easy issue to fix. Um, so hopefully it's as easy as he says it is. And all we have to do is wait a few months and, and we'll see. We're still in, we've got a plan and we're going to go for that plan and it'll change if it has to, but hopefully it doesn't have to. So anyway, thank you guys. I think that's all I have. So.